In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You know, sometimes we make a plan and it just goes out the window, right? And then there's other times that we make plans and we have no idea how the Holy Spirit's gonna take that plan and do something much greater than that. The way he leads the church is that the church gives us these readings and we couldn't have a better reading than the reading we have today, this story of the blind man. And a few months ago, as I was putting together this whole sermon series and even today's theme, I had no idea how much we would need to pray, come Holy Spirit and set our hearts on fire, ignite our vision. Because this story is all about seeing, not our physical eyes working so much, but how we see what is happening. It's about having spiritual vision. And in the story, no one can see except for Jesus. It begins by saying that Jesus sees a man born blind. He sees him. Let's just stop right there for a moment. He sees him, and he sees you. Wherever you are and whatever is happening right now, Jesus sees you. But nobody else in the story could see. Everybody was blind. The disciples are blinded by their need to explain all of the circumstances, the situation. Whose fault is it, Jesus? Was it because he sinned or because his parents sinned? It makes us feel like we're in control if we can explain everything. But of course we can't. And when we try to do that at times, we miss some of the deeper, more important things that are happening. Like how God is being glorified even even in the midst of suffering and difficulty. Do we see God being glorified even right now? The man's neighbors are then blinded by their insensitivity, their inhumanity. Prior to this, they had actually never seen him, the the person, the human being. They had only seen a blind beggar, and when he's not that anymore, they don't recognize him. Do we see people? I mean, not just that jerk who's a threat to my survival right now because he cut me off in the grocery store. Do we see a person? And do we see people right now who are in great need? And then you have his parents. They're probably the saddest story of all because they are blinded by fear, fear that they're going to be thrown out of the synagogue. So afraid that they literally throw their son under the bus. They can't see what, what, would have, what they could have never ever imagined that their son born blind is now healed. But fear blinds us all the time, doesn't it? Maybe we're blinded by fear even right now. Fear of worst-case scenarios, even the fear of death. And then the most ironic and the, the scariest of them all is that the religious leaders are blind. They're blinded with a, a sort of tunnel vision. They only can see things their narrow way, and they expect everybody else to see it their way, including this, this blind man. Jesus is a sinner. He healed you on the Sabbath day. He can't be from God. Now you talk about not being able to see the forest in the middle of the trees. And so, ironically, the man once blind now teaches the teachers. Uh, Fellas, let me be the master of the obvious here, okay? I was blind, now I see. He healed me. He has to be from God. Jesus is the only one who sees. 
But the good news is this, he also heals blindness. He makes mud cakes and anoints the man's eyes and tells him to wash. And he has told us to wash in our baptism. And from that point forward, he, he opens up the eyes of our hearts so that we see life differently, that we head out now on a faith journey. And as we're on that journey, Jesus oftentimes hides kind of behind the scenes. I mean, look what he did with this guy. He sort of let him for a while deal with all of those blind people, all of their pushback and opposition and rejection. But in that adversity and in that struggle, you see, vision is sharpened. And the picture becomes much clearer of who Jesus is and what he's doing and why he is so important. If you notice, this man goes from calling Jesus, first of all, a man, that's verse 11, then he says he's a prophet, verse 17, then he says he must be from God, verse 33. But even that is not yet the full picture. It would take Jesus showing up again and showing himself to the man that he makes the final step to faith. Lord, Lord, that's the divine name, Lord, I believe, he says, and he worships him. None of us saw this coming. But now with what is happening, what do we see? And how do we see it? Not just that we all have a bunch of good attitudes, uh, that, that we, we just try to see the positive in everything. How do we see Jesus? What is he doing? He's showing himself to us in so many ways, countless ways. I could go on and on for this homily forever but I'm gonna limit myself to three things. Let's talk for a moment about the three things we emphasize during Lent. Fasting and prayer and generosity and how he's showing himself to us in new ways through those things. Because as funny as this might sound, I actually think maybe this might end up being the best Lent ever. So first of all, during Lent we fast. We fast because it takes things away and so that we can see more clearly. We, things are, are, are stripped away from us so that we get down to the most important and the essential things. We've had a lot taken away from us, haven't we? And on one level, I think it's really important for us to mourn that and, and to grieve. Things that we thought we would do, we're not going to get to do. But what is Jesus showing us? He's showing us the most important things. And here's just one example. Like many of you, normally what I would be doing right now is running around in a busy, hectic schedule with my work and my meetings and all my kids' activities. But what's happened, all of that is gone. It's been stripped away, taken away. And I'm home. And I'm with my family. My college daughter is home. We're together. I see Jesus renewing the family and home life and even neighborhoods. We're actually doing things like sitting down together at the dinner table, playing games, praying together. We always have known this, and we say this, but we're finding out how true it is that Jesus is in your home and mine. Your house is a little domestic church, if you would, a little church. And even if you live alone, you're not alone. It's not your house. <laughs> It's his house, and he is there. Do you see him? And by the way, I also see him renewing our Trinity family. As they say, the absence makes the heart 
grow, grow fonder. I gotta tell you, it's hard to not have you all here right now. I look out to these pews, I cannot wait to see you all sitting in these pews once again. And what a joyful reunion that is gonna be when we're finally back together. Amen? Amen. I can hear you saying amen out there. Second thing, during Lent we pray. <laughs> we have a lot more time on our hands, don't we? So try not to spend all of your time binging on Netflix and YouTube or just scrolling through your phone. Pray. Read scripture. Keep a slower pace. Go ahead, slow down. <laughs> this is a gift. Reflect and be still. Be quiet for a while. And I know that's hard to do, right? Because we're so used to being busy, we don't know how to be still. But Jesus is teaching us this. Lent calls us to deeper prayer, to seek the face of Jesus. And we are finding out, hopefully, maybe this is the thing that's becoming the clearest to us, how much we need Jesus, right? I mean, nothing like a pandemic to teach us how fragile we are and how mortal we are. But this is precisely why we celebrate Lent and Easter, why it's the most important season of the entire church year, because you see Jesus' death and resurrection has conquered disease and death. That's our great hope. I mean, no matter what happens, friends, we have heaven, we have the resurrection, we have Jesus. John the Apostle had a vision once of heaven, we call it the book of Revelation, and there he tells us what we have to look forward to. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Last thing, Lent is a time for giving, for generosity. Now here at Trinity, we have been on our Ignite Generosity journey for quite some time. And a big piece of that was supposed to happen next week when we were going to gather together in worship and we were going to make our commitments and present them to the Lord. And I'll explain how we're going to handle that a little bit later. But all along in this journey, we kept saying that the real important thing in this journey is that we all become more generous people in every part of our lives, to become more deeply devoted followers of Jesus. Friends, I think that the Holy Spirit was getting us ready for this very moment. Look around and see all of the chances that you have to be generous, for us to really be Christians and to live our Christian faith. The world right now is scared and it's hoarding toilet paper and, and hand sanitizer, but not us. No, not us. We see a chance to be truly generous, to help the poor and the vulnerable and the lonely. So share what you have. Give of yourself and please especially reach out to those who are alone so they're not so isolated. This is what I mean by spiritual vision. As Christians, we see things differently. We see reality differently than the rest of the world. They don't see it. They're, they're, they're blind. We look at this, this time, the scariness of it, and we see opportunity for God to be glorified through us, chances to be generous. So I want to close with an incredible story 
of my good friend Keith Rupel and his now sainted wife, Imogene. And I hope that this story can really encourage you and inspire you right now because they experience what is probably one of the most difficult things in this earthly life, which was the death of their son. But I'd like you to listen, and I'd like you to see how they saw that tragedy and what they could do with it and how they saw Jesus. Let's take a watch. <laughs> 